Welcome to I'll Start Monday, a podcast that discusses issues that affect us all, from mental health and well-being to finances and careers, but which we have a tendency to put on the long finger. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking, and with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Ireland 2021, Nicorette contains nicotine, stop smoking aid, requires willpower. Always read the label. This week, we're tackling a subject that will probably be familiar to most of us, stress. Whether it's caused by work, relationships or just life in general, it's pretty common for us to talk about being stressed out by one thing or another. For a lot of us, this has become a bit of a catch-all, meaning we're busy or frustrated about something. But constant or excessive stress can lead to serious problems if left unchecked. To help us examine ways to alleviate and deal with stress, we have with us James Sweetman a renowned motivational speaker and life coach whose own podcast covers a whole range of well-being and self-help topics. James, welcome to I'll Start Monday. Thank you, Keith. I'm, I'm delighted and honoured to be here. Well, great. Well, I'm honoured to, 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 to be meeting you. You're, what's your podcast called? It's Your Time with James Week. Lovely. I love it. Mm. I love the play on words there. And what's interesting is, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but it's it's currently on pause, that podcast, because I was producing it weekly, but it just became a little bit too much right. and I needed to pause. And I'm sure that'll be something we'll be coming back to Great. by the time we finish our chat. We can talk We can talk more about that. Tell us a little bit about yourself, James, and uh, how you got into the work you're doing. Gosh, OK. Well, if I, if I think of what's on the business card, you know, what it is that I do, Keith, I'm an executive and personal coach. Um, I work with groups. I work with individuals. Sometimes it's broad upskilling in soft skills areas like time management and organisational skills and leadership. A lot of my work tends to take place in, in business or corporate environments. I also speak at conferences. You know, there is that label motivational speaker, which is a funny one because I don't actually like it. <laughs> what would you call yourself? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But what, what, what other people tend to describe me as is someone who's maybe an uplifter, you know, who, who helps uplift either people's spirits or I, I more or less view it as helping to change people's states, you know, because it is a stressful time if we think of today's, you know, topic. And we all have gone through a lot. But at the same time, we all do our best all the time. Mm. You know, our definition of best may change. I think it was Maya Angelou who said, you know, we all do our best based on the resources, the self-awareness and the, and the knowledge that we have. And uh, I think often what I do when I'm working with people, irrespective of the context, is, is maybe helping people redefine what best is for them. Um, because we all are the experts on being ourselves. Yeah, I really like that. We all do our best all the time. Yeah, It's a nice phrase to have handy because we do give ourselves a hard time, oh don't we? Oh my goodness, we're fully paid up members, Keith, of the Toughen Ourselves Club. And I could probably be the, the chairperson of that club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there's always the, the sense of, you know, what you're what you're teaching with groups or what you're doing with people is what you're trying to learn yourself. I don't know what that means. You know, when the teacher is ready, the student appears and vice versa. But I know for myself in my, my own career history, and I'll just give you a brief synopsis. Yes, of please it, but, make it as long as you want. Mm, we have time. I, I started off my career in the late 80s, which has given my age away uh, working in financial services, specifically in the claims department of an insurance company. I was the first person they had taken on in eight years because of the recessionary time of the 1980s. Okay. There was myself and another guy, and it was almost like they had the bunting out for these two newbies that came in. And I, I loved it. I climbed the career ladder. 
I, I knew if I got my foot in the door somewhere that it would progress. I remember, you know, going through the golden pages and sort of saying I want to work in an office, which was my motivation because my dad was my late dad was a farmer. And I just knew that wasn't for me. And um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But then I reached a, a, a point where it was like, is this it? You know, and it coincided with the year 2000. It coincided with me turning 30. I think if there's a, a, an age that ends with a zero, you sort of question things. Uh, nowadays, I m- maybe would have language for that. Sometimes it's called a third life crisis or it's a shift in values. You know, what was important to you at one point in life is, is, is different. And I was very fortunate to be able to take some time out and to go off traveling and to do at 30 what many people now do at 20, a bit of a career break, a bit of a sabbatical. And I remember being in a bookstore because I'm always a great reader. You know, I'd always gravitate to bookstores in Manly, outside Sydney in Australia, which I think is where Home and Away is filmed. Beautiful part, yes. yes. And I went into the bookstore and always gravitated to what was then called the self-help section, which is now what's a popular psychology and picking up a book on coaching. And I'd never come across the concept of coaching before, but I remember going out into a park and sort of starting to read this. And it was focus around being proactive in your own life, empowerment, confidence. Um, getting things organised, setting your intention, phraseology that I think most of us are more familiar with now, but that was even new to me back then. And I went back into the bookstore to get a pen because I'm always happiest when I'm there's a pen in my hand and I can write and I can underline. And I tend to write things out as well as write things out, Keith. I've kept a diary since the 1st of January 1986 every day since um, for my biographer in due course, maybe. (laughs) And I realised I realised that so much of what was coaching was what I used to do instinctively. I mean, back to being a teenager, I used to pull 10 tips for time management out the back of magazines or when I managed people in in organisations, you know, instinctively I did one to one meetings with them. I was interested in their their development or group training workshops and you never had to be told to do that. Even when I did my MBA in the late 90s, you know, I could choose any topic for my thesis and I chose motivation, you know, like where did that come from? And it was only subsequently with that famous um, Steve Jobs Stanford address where he speaks about looking backwards, you can see the clues or the patterns to career or calling in life or purpose in life. You can only view them though looking backwards and I could see all of these dots and on that day in in Manly in the sunshine it sort of coalesced for me under the umbrella heading of coaching so when I left my my travels behind I came back and things fell into place which sometimes happens when we sort ourselves out and I did 18 months of a uh, leading a project in a company and then back in 2003 so almost 20 years ago I set up my own coaching and training business. So I mean you literally went on a journey subconsciously to find yourself physically, mentally. (laughs) I did and I can give you a story on that one. My surname is not that common. There's not that many sweet mans around which I used to like when I was younger. I love it now because you only have to stick my name into Google and it'll pop up. But um, I remember being in Sydney Airport and uh, an announcement came over the intercom. Can James Sweetman come back to security? So immediately I'm checking my pockets. Where's my wallet? You know, what have I lost? What have I done? <laughs> and, uh, and back I go. And I had everything. And they had someone's wallet, another James Sweetman. 
And I said, gosh, I said, I haven't come across many others like me before uh, at all, anywhere. Um, and I, I hung around and there was a Canadian doctor with the name of James Sweetman who who had left his wallet behind. And I was fortunate in the in the middle end of this trip to spend a few days on an island on the Barrier Reef, so fairly remote. It arrived there and they said, oh, we had a James Sweetman staying with us only a few weeks ago. I said, by any chance, was he a, a Canadian doctor? They said, no. They said he was from somewhere in England. No. And it was only afterwards in chatting to someone where maybe I was doing an alternative therapy practice or something because I've done most things in that area. They said, James, you were actually catching up with yourself. And that was just evidence that you were on the right path. Wow. Now, we can believe whatever well, we want to yeah, believe, yeah, yeah. but it's settled with me. And and what's bizarre now is that was actually the the prompt for the 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 the, the first novel that I wrote, because I've written five books, two novels. But the first novel I wrote starts off with that, you know, where you you're at an airport, you meet someone else. But then afterwards, it's, you know, I suppose that the, the hook of the novel is, you know, you've actually met the person you could have been. Oh, I feel uh, people will. Yeah, there will be people listening to this going, yeah, you were you were you know, on the right track because, you know, you were encountering other James Sweetman. But I do, I, I, I think it's... It depends what you believe. You know, you can look for the silver lining anywhere. I am the sort of person who I suppose would be described as maybe the glass half full type person, mm. or as I would often say, the glass is nearly always full because if it's not full of water, it's full of oxygen. But the, the main thing being the, the glass can still be replenished. But if I think of some of the, the top decisions I've made in my life, that's in the top three. Yeah, I mean, it, like it, it is interesting because I know we will get onto stress and stuff, but that thing of taking time out and actually taking the time for me, it's about control, not allowing life to get, not to get swept along with life. Yeah, to almost like be making the decisions yeah. and not having others make the decisions for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, think ultimately mm. that is that can be a big stressor which we'll get on to. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if we do look at what stress is, you know, for me, in, in layman's terms, I often think stress is trying to control the uncontrollable or it's 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 arguing with reality. And uh, it's not that we're resigning or giving up, but it's 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 almost like let me look at resourcing myself first so I'm able to go into the world almost like with a clearer vision or with greater clarity around what it is I want or what works for me. You know, it's interesting in a lot of my work, one of the themes that goes through nearly everything that I do, whether it's interview skills coaching, which is, you know, I help people prepare for interview, people who are in career transition or, you know, people who are looking for greater levels of fulfillment in their career or someone who's a new manager and looking to make their their stamp from a leadership perspective, whatever it is. One of the themes in, in, in all the work that I do is that sense of self-belief, you know, that, you know, my opinion is as valid as anyone else's, you know, that I'm not waiting all the time for someone else to give me permission, you know, that I can be proactive in my own life. And um, even say if I look at something maybe as narrow as interview skills coaching, and most people who come to me, you know, under that hat, you know, they're, they're going for an interview, they're emotionally invested in it, they're a little bit stressed, they're nervous and anxious because they don't want to let themselves down or, you know, this is an important job for them. As I often say, it also shows that they care. You know, if they didn't feel that, there would be an element of complacency to it. And oftentimes, though, it's like the, you know, the interview is the byproduct or a successful interview is the byproduct. 
what's more important is you taking ownership of your own skills and strengths and personality and um, and, and almost like stepping into your own power a little bit more and, and particularly say again with interviews that's often what interviewers are looking for you know someone who is, is a sense of being comfortable in their own skin who knows what they're about particularly at more senior levels the same thing would go if I'm working with people say on presentation skills you know presentation skills is, is speaking and everyone can sort of communicate okay but there's always that sense of the, the stressor is that I'm 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 afraid that other people will be judging me negatively. It's like I bring that into many things. I'm afraid that other people will judge me negatively. But when we pick that apart a little, we actually realize that if I'm thinking other people are judging me negatively, Keith, I'm the one who's doing negative judgment because I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm I'm transferring that onto them and blaming them for it. Very, you know? very, very, very yeah, very insightful. Yeah, yes. and and I think sometimes when we get that, it, it it sort of like polishes the lens a bit. I can just see myself and the surroundings I'm in maybe just a little clearer. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, it, I've had a few of these conversations, and it's it's something that I've spoken about: a fear, um, stress, uh, anxiety, worry about the future, worry about you know, um, the reason people stay within their comfort zone. Yes. It's all a lot of it comes back to what we think other people will yes. think of our decisions, yes. which ultimately comes back to what we think yes. of our own oh, decisions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It um, always comes back to it, the it, self. Yeah, for sure. And I, I am a great, I suppose, believer in that concept of comfort zone. You know, I'm reminded always of, I think, is it The Godfather Part 3 with Al Pacino? You know, I thought I was out and they sucked me back in again. Comfort zone is a little bit like that because we are habit forming creatures. You know, homeostasis, I think, is the Greek for it. We form habits and routines, Keith, wherever we can because it makes life easier. Some habits serve us. And of course, we're not just talking about behavioral habits here. We're talking about thinking habits. And scarily in that area, you know, we think about 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. About 80% of them are the same every day. So if you think of all behavioural habits we have, they're all preceded by thinking habits. If we think about how we think about concepts like my work, you know, interviews, family, certain people, you know, we have the same thoughts about them. The same thoughts lead to the same emotions, which leads to the same behaviours. And in a lot of the work that I do, what I'm looking to do is pull some of that apart to let a bit of the light in. I think there's a Leonard Cohen quote in there somewhere to let a bit of the light in so that we can just see situations differently or find a little bit of wiggle room for ourselves in the midst of some of this habit of thinking. So what is stress? What do you you mentioned before we started that you don't like to call it stress? No, I, I don't because it sort of puts a tension on it. And this is not about avoiding it, you know, but the brain cannot process negatives or the unconscious mind can't. So like, don't think of a yellow door with pink spots on it. You know, there you go. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be stressed. It's a bit like the footballer coming up to take the penalty and they're saying in their mind, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. What do they do? They miss, you know. So it, rather than looking at what I want. Can I just stop you there? So what are we hearing then? We're saying miss, we're hearing yeah, miss, miss, we're hearing miss, 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 needs to save it. Um, and that's not even getting into the body language of how they're walking up. That's for another day. Um, so let me let's focus on what it is I want more of. So if I if I want to be less stressed, what is it I want more of? And 
we'll all have our own words for that or we'll all have our own states for that. So for some people, it might be just calmer. For others, it might be more determined or more courageous or more self-confident. Let me put the emphasis on what it is I want more of. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the great phrase by the American researcher and author and speaker, Brené Brown. And she said, you know, when, when did stress become a status symbol? You know, so if you think of how we greet each other so frequently, it's like, well, are you busy? You know, we're all doing our best. I'll always go back to that. But sometimes it's it's a badge of honor. It's something that us as people pleasers will do. It's a way of gaining attention. It's the way of feeling relevant and important. It's the it's the language of ego as well. So for me personally, and this is a personal thing, you know, I, I prefer the word balanced. You know, so even if we think of the current climate where, you know, maybe more people have been working from home, People are more aware of what they're no longer willing to sacrifice. We're more aware of what's important to us, what our values are. We're looking to shape our lives so that our, our to-do list almost matches what, you know, what's most important to us. And um, it's for me, it's not even about work-life balance anymore because it's more to do with, you know, how balanced am I feeling in the moment? You know, it's a bit like the autopilot on a plane. It just doesn't freeze things into place. It adjusts based on the external crosswinds and temperatures and whatever else. And for me, that's an approach that that I have found works for me. It's like, how balanced do I feel in the moment or in the day? And some days you can be running around chasing yourself. Um, other days you feel a little bit more aligned is the phrase that I would use. Call it mind, body, spirit alignment. And one of the one of the concepts that underpins that for me is let's remember that we're human beings. We're not human doings here. Mm. For me, that's a lot of the issues to do with stress. It's the go, go, go bit. That doesn't mean we don't have responsibilities to manage or commitments to juggle. But I'm looking to find a little bit of space for for more being and not even less doing, because I think when we have how would I say it, that, that that sense of inner stillness that we can connect with in whatever way works for us. The positive byproduct is we're more efficient at what we're doing. But we're, we're but but the focus is on let me feel a little bit more balanced in myself and in my own life first, because it's as I say, it's not even work life balance. It's just your life. Mm. Yeah. So be, being and doing can happen at the same time. Yes. This is 400 years old, the Blaise Pascal quote, you know, all of humanity's problems comes from man's inability to sit alone in quiet in a room. It goes back to, you know, connecting with that inner stillness. I use the phrase of it, it's becoming the compassionate witness to our own lives. So can I see my own patterns? So rather than just being in it, can I observe myself in it? And that gives me that moment or that space where I can maybe uh, choose something different because if we go back to, to stress again you know stress for me is trying to control the uncontrollables so what can I control and oftentimes sometimes it just comes down to more conscious awareness of our breath and for me that's always tip number one in managing stress you know and the body has that wisdom Keith when you think about it you know if we're nervous or anxious or or worried or stressed about something you know, and if we were to, 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 to just do one thing, it's like, well, take a deep breath. Yeah. You know, and the body has that wisdom. Yeah. And I suspect most people can relate to this. I know I can. One of the first symptoms of, of feeling stressed or overwhelmed is that the breath is high and fast in the chest or mm. shallow in the chest. And sometimes it's almost like we forget to breathe. You know, we breathe supposedly about 22,000 times a day. 
now it's part of the body's unconscious processing but how many of those breaths are conscious for us and for me one of the tips in managing stress is let me make sure just some of my breaths are a little bit more conscious well i mean that's amazing because i mean i would talk a lot about meditation and 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 just taking time out and mindfulness mm-hmm. but even just what you're saying there please let some of my breaths be conscious yeah even that yeah that's the road to if eventually you yeah. want to go into meditation or yeah. if you know you want to get more mindfulness. Even that little thing, yeah. it gives you every if, if, if you just think of that a few times a day. Yeah, for sure. Um, the issue with stress for me is it, it's part of life. You know, it's there. There is such a thing as good stress as well as we know. You stress, EU stress, um, you know, which is that excitement that comes with a sense of challenge or a goal or, you know, we're trying to achieve something. There's the buzz, the adrenaline buzz. Um, it turns into maybe negative stress or distress um, when it moves beyond our ability to cope with it or manage it and we feel overwhelmed. So it's often paying attention to those times where for me, it's a physical thing. You know, I'll feel it in my body. My shoulders are tense. My breath is high. I'm sighing. You know, there's tension in my stomach, you know, the knot in the stomach. Um, at an extreme, of course, sometimes, you know, we can have shaky hands and, and wobbly legs, literally where we get the phrase cold feet from because the body is doing fight or flight. It's holding more blood circulation around the rib cage area for the vital organs of the heart and lungs. As humans, we're, we're designed to cope with stress, you know, in short periods, little sprints of it. You know, think about gathered around the, the open fire as, as, as cave people and, you know, a tiger or something comes and fight or flight kicks in. The issue nowadays is, is that, particularly from a psychological perspective, we, we feel we're in that stressed state nearly all the time. Fight or flight is on the go nearly all the time. And that's the the challenge. And for me, it's about recognizing it, being the compassionate witness, but then having one or two clubs in the golf bag, like a few strategies at my disposal that I can apply that allows me to break that pattern. And we might get to them in a little mm. while because I, I find that's that's it's fascinating because I, I always think of like life is <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say, but life is a struggle and it is stressful. Living is stressful, but I meditate and I journal yes. to allow so me to enjoy the, the, the yeah. journey, yeah. you know, to enjoy the, it, you know, it's ups and downs. It's whatever. So, so my approach as to I, it is different. As I see it, life is life. It is what it is. Uh, okay. It is what it is. Don't it, put negative words onto it. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I'm running the belief that life is a struggle, that is the lens through which I'm seeing the world and I will see it. It's a bit like if, if I go into a room and I'm looking for the color red, I will hone in on red. It's a reticular activating system. It's that part of the brain that determines what we focus on. That's why we have to be careful with our language, because if I'm saying life is this or this is that or I'm this or I'm not this, we will see evidence that supports it. And it's not about affirmations or turning things around or saying things that we don't believe. It's maybe just being a little bit looser with our language or a little bit more general with it. Okay. Yeah. So rather than saying, oh, I'm struggling with, I'm learning to do something in a different way, you know, or I'm focusing on this instead. Okay, I like that. Here's a big question, and this is um, from me personally, because I have had experience of this where I've gone to, I I, I got big into, well, I love acupuncture, but Mm -hmm. I I used to go to this woman every week for a while and she she would say to me, are you stressed at all? (laughs) And I would in all genuinely say no. Yeah. No, I'm not stressed. I didn't know I was stressed. Yeah, yeah, because it's the norm. 
So how? So so I suppose my question after this will be like, how do you deal with? Uh, how do you you know deal with stress? But but first of all, how do people know that they're stressed? Yeah, it's almost like maybe others will notice it in us before mm. we notice it in it ourselves. I think it goes back to paying attention to ourselves. You know, for me, a lot of stuff in this area is is making the commitment to ourselves to manage our own mind, to manage our own well-being in a more purposeful way. We do know that there is challenges with life. And my goodness, in the last two years, has, has that been added to? And it's been added to in ways that we haven't even got a clue how to process yet. And for me, it comes back to being just a little bit more compassionate towards ourselves, to be a little bit more gentle and kind towards ourselves, acknowledging the fact that we are doing our best, even on those days when we lose our rags. You know, none of us are perfect. But let me acknowledge the pattern that's there. So if I think of some of the some of maybe the clues to pay attention to, if there's ongoing irritability, you know, if there's trouble sleeping, if you find you're reaching for a glass of something to unwind frequently, if you have difficulty concentrating, you know, for me, if I if I think of the the last six months where I I had to find the courage and let's face it, for sometimes for us men, it's difficult to do it. I had to find the courage to put my hand up and say something here has to change and I needed to ask for help. And when I spoke with a with a counsellor and, and he, he was such a wonderful guy, he was the right person at the right time. He said, James, you have dealt with so much, you know, and we sort of think we're we're strong and we are strong and we've broad shoulders and we cope with a lot. But sometimes when you hear it reflected back to you, you say, oh, my God, well, James, at least put the whip down, you know, stop the self-flagellation here. You know, the world won't stop if you stop for a piece. Sometimes, particularly as men, we can think that being vulnerable is weak. But my goodness, is being vulnerable strong, you know, and, and it takes strength sometimes to look at what we're fearful of head on. And there's that great phrase, I'm not sure who said it, but, you know, when fear knocks at the door and love answers, no one is there. Wow. I mean, uh, I think I just think the whole stress thing and vulnerability and I, and I suppose we're mostly talking about men here in that we men have a terrible habit of backing themselves in a corner, yeah. um, not asking for help, yeah. not admitting that they're feeling under pressure because I suppose culturally or whatever, we're supposed to be able to handle things. We're supposed to, you know, be X, Y and Z and all things to all men and, and you know, toughen up, grow a pair. Grow oh, a pair yeah. of, of, of strong, of all of that. Uh, drive on, keep going. At my father's phrase, bless him, was um, uh, book yourself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I I'm in a lovely situation now where I have a therapist that I go to regularly. And if I haven't seen him in a while, my wife might say to me, <laughs> have you spoken to Luke recently? <laughs> because she might see some of the symptoms. Um, but, but, but instead of where I would have before, I would have uh, bristled at her yeah, saying, suggesting yeah. that I wasn't perfectly fine. Now I'm like, yeah, thanks. It's no different than going to the dentist. Mm. You know, I need a scale and polish here. You know, it just brightens my smile a little. Get in there yeah. with the floss right into my head. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because how would I say it? It is the old cliches, but let's remember, Keith. Cliches are based on truth. You know, problem shared is problem solved, and all of that. That's why they, they they've lasted the ages or the test of time. If I think of one or two other simple practices 
that we can maybe pay a little bit more attention to. For me, it's always about the breath to start with. You know, if you think of yoga, mindfulness, martial arts, Pilates, whatever it is, it's all based on the breath. Mm. Yeah. So a little bit more conscious breathing. Maybe towards the end, I'll give a little bit of a, a simple breathing exercise that I know people can start straight away. Another thing that I find, and, and it's funny because we're sort of drawn to this naturally, is when we, if possible, and I think in Ireland we're, we're really able to do this, is to try to spend a little bit more time in nature. Yeah. You know, if we're in the concrete jungle, everything that comes in through our senses is artificial. Yeah, even the air we're breathing is artificial through, you know, air con or heating systems, whatever. Getting back into nature stimulates the senses. It maybe lets us appreciate that we're part of something bigger. I think being in nature helps us connect with our own core nature, our own rhythms in life, the own rhythms of our soul. And I found it as well. My sister has done a lot of this and I've heard many people do it where they're back into sea swimming is mm. something that people have done a lot more of in the last two years. And I don't think it's solely because gyms have closed down. I think it's that natural call to the sea as well. And we we often do it for contrast or, you know, the way, again, we'll do it instinctively. I'm going for a, for, for a walk around the block or a walk by the sea to clear my head. You know, we'll say it, but there's something in that. And I do think as well that when most of us are stressed, we're fairly immobile. We might be hunched over a desk, you know, we're stationary. That element of movement is so important as well. And if we can combine that with being in nature, that's a double win. And the other bit I would offer as well in terms of strategies for managing stress is just be careful of the inputs. You know, what are we consuming? We're not just consuming food. We live in the information age. There is so much news and media and social media that we consume and so much of it is just habit. You know, if we think of, you know, even, you know, 24 hour news stations and, you know, the, the content that's produced there and it's droning away in the background in doctors waiting rooms or hotel lobbies. You know, wh what am I consuming? There's the great Gandhi quote, you know, I'll I won't let anyone walk through my mind with dirty feet. You know, let's just make sure we put down the doormat every so often. I'm an advocate of news detoxes. I'm an advocate of news curfews. You know, I don't want to be looking at the latest stressful headlines when, you know, my head's about to go onto the pillow. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we don't stay informed. I'm a great advocate of being informed, you know, because what's a pride in pride in ignorance? You know, ignorance is not bliss and pride in ignorance always leads to cruelty. So we're looking at staying informed and making decisions about our own lives. But we're, we're cognizant of, of what we're consuming, though, as well, because if we're not aware of it, we, you know, the, as, as I was jokingly saying earlier, you know, the brain cannot process negatives. So we're witnessing something, but the body is responding to it as if we're fully participating in it. You know, it's the movies we play in our heads all the time. Um, let me just be aware of of what's getting my attention, Keith. Mm. And, and I suppose we're always triggering in our own heads and that's stress, isn't it? That flight yeah. or fight moment, aren't we? Like yeah. with those movies that go on in our heads or, or what, yeah. like the scenarios we're creating. Yeah. And, and, and that has a physical, it's a mental thing, that, but it has a physical It does. I mean, we all know that. It's like, say, if you're watching a scary movie at home, you know, part of you knows it's a movie and these are actors. 
but you could be there on the sofa and the doorbell goes and you jump two feet, you know, because you're, you're emotionally involved in it. And we're running movies all the time in our heads. You know, if we're not taking in stuff through our physical senses in the present moment, we're either mulling over the past, judging ourselves harshly for the past, or we're worrying about the future. So if you think of what worry is, worry is the long shadow of the worst possible future that we experience in the present. One of the things that we can do is, again, from a witnessing position, you know, we'd often say, you know, if you're watching a movie, Keith, that you don't enjoy, you know the ending of it. You've seen it hundreds of times. You just don't like it anymore. Common sense would say eject it and play something nicer, put on sound of music or something. But you can only eject the movie when you know you're playing it. Um, so when I find myself feeling nervous and worried and stressed and all of that, you know, because that's part of being human. It's part of our defense mechanism. Like we cannot switch it off. It's the same voice that says, hurry up and cross the street. The car's coming quicker than you think. You know, it's part of our defense mechanism. But let me ask myself, OK, in this moment, what I'm thinking about, is that real or is it a movie in my head? And if it's not actually happening in the present moment, it's a movie in my head. I love that. Can I ask you one more question? I have two more questions to ask you. One of them, you're looking at your own life and your own balance, work-life yeah. balance, but just it's, what did you call it? Just life balance or whatever. It's, it is your it's life. It's like how I? balanced am I? You know, I suppose you can take different views on that term, but it's, I, I like to use the phrase aligned. 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 You yeah. feel aligned, but you're in a relationship with somebody else who isn't aligned with your new alignment or you're in a workplace where you're working to someone else's yeah. demands in that your your colleague or your boss expects X, Y, and Z, but you've decided to make some changes to your own personal life, which means you don't work 60 hours a week anymore, or you're making changes where the most important thing to your wife, partner, mm. husband is that the, the house is painted every six months and looks spick and span all the time. That's not really in alignment with your values or whatever. How do you manage other people's expectations of how you live your life. I that is the dance of life. That is, what's it? What's the phrase I came across? You know, life is that dance between our, our loftiest dreams and our, and our scariest fears. And balance is, is finding some handrails through that and knowing it's not static. For me, it will always come down to conversations. You know, so even if I'm doing, I don't know, change management programs and organizations and you use these fancy terms and whatever else, when all said and done, it comes down to conversations between people. Sometimes those conversations are over different mediums, um, but certainly from a personal relationship perspective, it's an in-person conversation. Can I control the other person? No. In every relationship, we are only responsible for 50% of the relating. Think of it like two hands. Yeah. It's a 50-50 bit. In some relationships, we might feel out of balance, that word again, where I feel as if I'm bending over backwards or I'm tolerating too much or I'm compromising too much. And our emotions will sort of tell us that, you know, the emotions is the inner GPS or the, 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 the balancing system, the barometer. Let me be clear in myself first as to, you know, what I want in this scenario, not from a demanding point of view, but just from a place of clarity. And the second piece then is let me work on my own state first. So if I'm looking to have a conversation with someone, you know, how do I want to be in that conversation? And and that's a broader tip. That's a good self stress management tip in itself. Back to the human beings, human doings bit, Keith. Uh, who do I want to be in this scenario? You know, so if I'm having a conversation with my spouse or partner, who do I want to be in this conversation? Listening, calm, understanding, flexible, 
clear, whatever it is, you know, if I have that intention going into it, I'm it's going to be a, a better quality conversation. You're, you're not going to be reacting to other people the whole time. So if we go back to, you know, we only do 50 percent of the relating in every relationship. The catch is I'm 100 percent responsible for my 50 percent. That covers two things. One, how I'm showing up. So my intention going into it. Um, which is those two bits. What am I looking for here? What would be a desired result? What's a successful outcome? And what qualities, what aspects of my personality am I bringing into the conversation? The other part of it is, is that we get the freedom to choose how we respond to other people. Now, there is a difference between reacting and responding. It's probably the wisdom of our grandparents. Sometimes it's taking a breath and counting to 10. You know, we're back to taking a breath again. And in in many scenarios, particularly in ones we're familiar with, whether it's this is with a spouse or a manager or whatever, most people are fairly predictable. It's a bit like playing the game of tennis. I know if I say this, they're likely to say that. We can pre-plan. If things are predictable, we can pre-plan. That doesn't mean we're, you know, dogmatic or blinkered. We're just doing a little bit of preparation here. You know, when we think it through a little bit more like that, we feel a little bit more in control. And that brings us right back to managing stress again, where stress is trying to, you know, control the uncontrollable. And we're always doing our best. And we're always doing, we're always our, doing best. our best. It's mm-hmm. very good. Uh, finally, is there anything people feeling stressed can do right now or maybe starting sure. Monday? To help turn things the, around. The, in the bit moment. that I call as, you know, self-care triage, if I use that phrase, is is more conscious breathing. And there's many different breathing techniques, uh, Keith. But I know for me this is this is root one. And the simplest one, it packs a punch, is a two-staged in-breath. So taking a breath in and I breathe in again. So it's a two-staged in-breath. It's like <sighs> in again. And then an exhale. What we're doing there is doing something purposefully again, because even if we take a deep breath, you know, we, we sort of do that instinctively. But if I'm if I'm saying to myself, no, take a two staged in breath, then it becomes a strategy. It means now I'm controlling my breath. And if I want to be really clever with it, I just make sure my exhale is slightly longer than my combined inhale, because that activates the parasympathetic nervous system known as rest and digest. So we're expelling what we've been holding on to. That would be something that I do myself frequently. You know, it was that two staged in breath. Um, If there was something slightly more broader as an invitation to listeners is, you know, can I make the commitment to myself to be more consciously aware of my own well-being or to establish some sort of practice that I know would work for me. And practice there is the key. Like, you know, the way we say meditation practice or mindfulness practice, it is practice. It ain't perfect. I have a yoga practice, far from perfect. I remember at the start of the, the COVID-19 crisis, I you know put out on social media that for any of us who have any sort of practice, this is what we're practicing for. Um, so I'm a great believer in trying to start the day as I mean to go on. It's a bit like setting the tone for the day. So how am I spending the first five or 10 minutes of the day? So often it's people checking news or emails or whatever. Can I, can I gift myself the first five, 15, 20 minutes of the day, maybe in stillness, maybe in gratitude, maybe in a little morning prayer. You know, it's something that I've developed for myself over the last few years and it's dynamic. It keeps changing. 
And for me now, it'll range between maybe 15 minutes and sometimes on the days where I can give myself the luxury of it, it will be an hour, which is a combination of yoga, meditation and journaling. And I find that if I go for a few days without doing something in that area, I would be a bit like your wife saying to you, have you gone and seen the counsellor again? (laughs) You know, it's like, James, have you let your morning routine go a little? Oh, yeah. You know, but again, that's part of living. There's days I just prefer to stay in bed. And, and, And actually, there's there's relevance to that as well, because. Oftentimes, you know, we're, you know, we can say we're stressed or, you know, we're, we're overwhelmed or whatever. Sometimes we're just tired, Keith. Sometimes we're just tired. I think we can leave it there. Perfect. And um, we all do our best all the time. And sometimes we're just tired. Lovely. That's all for this episode. Hopefully you can take some of James' advice and start taking positive steps towards tackling stress in your life. Thank you, James. Pleasure, Keith. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking. And with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Ireland 2021, Nicorette contains nicotine. Stop smoking aid. Requires willpower. Always read the label.